0: This is
1: Bruce. This is Trav. This is Jonathan.
2: And my name is Gina.
1: Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where you finally get to hear what Trav's been rambling on and off about for the past 10 years. Uh, If you can't go long, go deep. Yeah, well, oh, jeez.
3: Up the hill, in the snow, both ways.
1: Ate dirt and was thankful for it. Yeah, got
3: it. I sound like you had
0: dirt?
1: Yeah, yeah. We had to grind the chips off of a big boulder. And I was thankful for that dirt. Okay. Tonight we are going to do a subject I've been wanting to do now actually for a couple of years. Various things have held back, logistics, pandemic, whatnot. But tonight's topic is first-time campaign creation, something that every GM has to go through. The horror! The horror!
3: The, <laughs> the, and, and stress, now, the... stress.
1: All I'm thinking now is the guy with the Hindenburg. Oh, the humanity! Yeah. And tonight, we have a very special guest. That is right. We have, with us via Skype, the mother of May's world, the host of the spinoff show of the Travcast called Perky Gots Prime Primetime, Friday nights, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, on DimensionRadio.org. My partner in crime and game setting design, and yes, it kind of made that rhyme. You see what I did there, Gina Osborne, aka Perky Goth. Finally, you're here. Thank you for being yes. here, Gina. Yes,
2: I had nothing to do.
1: Wow, thanks.
0: Wow, <laughs> I'm so glad you bring your A game, Gina. Wow, yeah.
2: <laughs> I pop off one or two.
3: We we are the bottom no, of.
2: I'm actually very excited to uh, to be part of this. I've. Um, been listening to podcasts mostly uh, uh ancient history stuff so i'm pretty excited
1: and that's good because all of that comes into you know i mean we're going to be talking about first ga- first time campaign creation but also obviously we're going to be using our trials and tribulations and creating the much talked about maze world campaign that i've mentioned over the years here on this spot on this podcast
2: and one of these days i'm gonna get it published
1: yeah, well, we're, oh, God, that's, yeah, that, how my, I'd have to quit a gaming night just to, you know, so we have time to do that. Okay. A um, little bit of history behind how it came about. Uh, Gina and her husband, Dan, and me and Laura, now a former girlfriend, we were at a techno concert in Detroit, and it was very early Sunday morning, and Gina here decides to drop this bomb on me about oh I have a campaign idea now I'm always open to hearing somebody's campaign idea, (laughs) but it was
2: (laughs) it was
1: it was just especially for yeah yeah for somebody who never really you know put out a full homegrown campaign I was just and I and I did I was standing there in the in the in the lobby there at Leland City Club. If you know about City Club, then you know. And I just saluted her. I was like, "Your first homebrew adventure is a multi-planar dungeon crawl." This is Osborne. I salute you, I like man. Yeah. Into the
2: fire. What can I say?
1: Yeah, deep end there. Yeah.
2: Yep. or swim, right?
0: let's put the kudos, you know, also where they belong, which is Trav has created an environment which the players feel like they can come forward with this idea.
2: This is me clapping. Right, because,
0: you know, there are a lot of GMs out there who are hideously uh, terrified that someone's going to go and put forward an idea that everyone's going to want to do and basically torpedo the existing campaign.
1: It was a lot of work getting that first and we're on our we're wrapping up our third arc in this campaign world. And just this first one, oh god, the planning that went into creating a whole campaign. We will talk about that tonight. Great. Okay.
2: So a little bit of Maze World prehistory.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean also we want to get we don't we just don't want to give a travel log on Maze World. We want to no, advi- advise our this listeners. Is, this is advi- from my end. Yeah advising our listeners on what you go through to create your own campaign from scratch and just okay.
0: well well Gina what you know what was your prep that that brought you to the point where you felt you could do this
2: again I just jumped into the fire I'd been in a few campaigns already and yeah I was like you know what I have an imagination if it don't work out, it don't work out. I had fun. Everyone else had fun. Might have thrown an idea out to someone else. It's a win-win.
0: So, pure chutzpah.
2: Exactly.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> if it didn't pan out, we had fun, and I got to hang out.
3: I can, yeah. At and the I very least. So. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, and that's the thing. It, it's funny, because a lot of Gina's experience is... In LARPing, she and her husband Dan LARP. So, I, I, I know you know, somewhere down the line, uh, Gina and Jonathan are gonna have notes to compare because Jonathan is our resident LARPer. He, yeah, he has, was the yeah, LARPer, yeah,
2: yeah. uh, back a few years ago, several years ago, some years ago before he met me. Yeah, and mostly he did um, World uh, Vampire Masquerade. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I just uh, read a lot of uh, fantasy books. And I was like, you know what would be cool if we could connect all these together? How would we do that?
1: And and that's the thing. I mean, Gina, what was the first, I mean, you, when you came up with this idea, what was the that that spark? And you said this was just, hey, let's do this. But I mean, still, you had to have some fast. what was that?
2: My divorce. I've been married before and I was going through a divorce and I just need some kind of mental outlet just to get out you know just a lot of pent up Ugh.
1: yeah yeah and
2: so I put it towards creativity okay and that was kind of the the um, mental catalyst if you will
1: yeah okay that, that that I mean that is something I didn't know but okay um but I, I was meaning more along the lines of As far as the campaign background, the main arc, the whole setting itself, what was like, if you can remember, because Gene and I have known each other since, like, 2011. So we're going on 11 years of friendship here. And just, there's going to be some things that were way back. So, because you dropped this on me November 2012. That's when we were all at City Club. Mm -hmm. So, what was, like, the first facet of Maze World itself? That just popped in your head, and then from there it grew. Do you remember what exactly the first thing was?
2: Actually, it's kind of one of those situations where you saw something and you read, or read something, and you just kind of scribbled off the serial numbers.
1: Oh no, that that's a that's one of the mantras here. Thanks to Jay Haley, just scrape off the serial numbers for stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: Yeah. There was a series of books. And it had a place, it had a hallway where you could, where you could travel to different worlds. And I was like, you know, that'd be cool, but it kind of just bits and pieced over time. It wasn't like really one big hurrah, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It just kind of bits and pieces itself over, over time. And, uh, of course... You know, at, at one point, who, who doesn't at one point wonder what would the world be like if there was suddenly magic in the world? Oh, some people would do fireballs and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, uh, okay. would um, there be some kind of warning symbol, warning to sign? And it's just this, these two little things, just over a lo- a period of time, just kind of came up, and I needed an outlet for it. Okay. All right. So, um, and then I met you and, uh, the, you kind of helped put some of the pieces together and the tiny little pieces that I was missing mentally.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it. it's like, I mean, you, you came to me and I, we'd already been in a few, probably, I think at least one or two campaigns I was running. Mm-hmm. And that's when you came to me and, you know, there in the, you know, uh, Oz was there listening to D sector in the main hall. Laura was sprawled over her couch. It was three in the morning. I think she was uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um my one friend, uh, Brian Groppner, aka Dark N E S of the Goth Sickles, came in and out of the green room every so often to BS with us. And so in between all that, you know, when you know, while Brian was away, that's when you dropped this idea that apparently you had already coalesced bits and pieces of things and put them together into this proto maze world idea. Mm-hmm. Now oh okay, we'll ask Bruce and Jonathan this. As far as creating a campaign, what is usually do you have a do you guys have a set thing like, okay, I'm gonna plan this thing first and go from there? Like the arc or types usually, of characters or
3: usually it starts with just an an interesting idea. Like uh, for my current D D campaign I'm working on, it was the idea of, you know, we've all heard of In fantasy settings, you know, if the heroes don't, you know, defeat the bad guy, you know, there will be a thousand years of darkness. So for my campaign setting, I was like, well, what if that thousand years of darkness has already come and gone? And it's it's actually like not the distant past, but it's like a a generation or two back where the world has recovered and, you know, light has returned to the world.
1: So sort of post-apocalyptic fantasy,
3: distant post-apocalyptic Okay, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it definitely, because, you know, one of the effects of this darkness is that, you know, all the gods were banished. And when the return of the light, so to speak, in a, in a metaphorical sense, some of the gods have come back. The ones that had, you know, worshippers on other worlds, because this is a D&D campaign. Yeah. But the ones that only had their worshippers on this planet, they all died out because they didn't have worshippers anymore.
1: Yeah. I'm getting a sort of a and, and obviously you're gonna make connections because what was it that Shakespeare said? There's only twelve and there's only twelve original ideas in the world.
3: Mm-hmm. Um getting, how you keep re, re, revamping them and, and yeah, mixing them.
1: Yeah, as soon as you started saying that, I was getting a Dragon Lance crin vibe off that.
3: That um also inspired yeah. by uh um Terry Pratchett's old gods.
1: Okay, okay. You know,
3: gods are fueled by the worship of their their followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. So yeah, and but yeah, from there that basic idea, and then kind of building up from there. Okay, so what was the thousand years of darkness? You know what? What was that? You know, oh, well the gods were banished. Well, who banished the gods? And you just yeah, just kind of adding, in, building brick by brick. You know, from that basic foundation.
1: Okay, all right, uh, Bruce. What is your general formula for campaign creation?
0: Okay, well, to me, it's you start off with the idea that you're trying to achieve? What's the end-all goal for the player characters? Sometimes it, it, you didn't think it was gonna be a campaign, but it turned into a campaign, because it just got, in order to do it, it just took so much. Uh, but the, the closest uh, campaign I've done, in a sense recently, was the adventure where they had to stop this enormous army that was coming in fringe worry that was coming down the fringe baths uh, and we decided that okay we're gonna draw the line at the um, uh, where Faroon is, you know. Uh, yeah. and you're going to have to go to Faroon. You're going to have to get them to help you to stop. You know, use magic, whatever uh, you know, arcane forces, you know, ma- um, godly forces, whatever it takes to stop them there, because we don't want them getting any further. And I really just started off with a very general idea of that, you know, and saying this is where you need to go. This is what your goal is. Um, you know, you don't know how much time, but of course you have to hurry uh, and uh, give a sense of urgency. And then I pretty much let them at that point direct how they were going to do it. You know, we, we'd had some talking about, you know, what can we, what, you know, if you're going to face a, fo- a military force, what kind of military force can you bring into that in- environment? you know, uh, from, from the world that you're going to. And they had to work all that out and they were, you know, some, something's just crashed and burned that they tried. Okay. And yeah. the final battle was a uh, real, um, uh, it, it it was not pretty. Okay. Uh, they, uh, uh, some people accused me of, uh, uh of basically, uh, you know, ruining their plans, uh, other people got away with a lot more than they probably should have. Uh, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. and and there was just tons and tons of stuff that they didn't consider or plan for or do. You know, which I thought that they were going to do because I'd shown it to them in other camp, other adventures in the past and such like that. But you know, players they they do what they're going to do. So, but you know, those broad strokes but in a way that allows them to say, OK, here are the goals. Okay, And then they have to work backwards from there to where they are now to try to figure out the steps of, uh, you know, of, of what they're going to need in order to be successful at completing this campaign. Okay, maybe what maybe they need to get up to twentieth level in D and D, so they'll have these powers. Okay, maybe they need to uh, get the people they need in order to who are twentieth level in order to have that power available to
1: them. Okay, I'm I'm seeing a definite difference between you two. Jonathan was going, okay, we're starting at the beginning, the history, and all that. Bruce is going, okay, we're going to go end game first. What is that goal? And okay, I'm I'm, I'm seeing yeah, the, and I, it, it'd be an interesting thought experiment to see how many people go the way that Jonathan went, and how many people the way go the way Bruce goes.
3: Yeah, I would say that what my my method is for like when I'm creating the world, when I'm actually just, you know, kind of laying out an actual just campaign, which you know more like a story arc, then I'm usually focusing more on like the theme, you know what is the story I want to tell or the the the, the theme, you know, is this a going to be a campaign about love or redemption or revenge and stuff like that? But usually then it kind of builds the same way. I just kind of take that basic idea. Okay, this is going to be a revenge story. Who are our player characters? What kind of revenge story can I work with them to craft? Okay.
1: All right. Yeah, for me and Gina, it was... Uh, I'll, I'll, and we'll try to Condense this here real quick We put it on the fringe Path the purple corn Earth world which I think I want to say Is negative 102 prime where They had yeah They had technology high enough Where they grew a hybrid type of corn That could be ground down and it became plastic So You know after she told me this story I'm like, okay We need to put it on a modern day world And Okay, well, if they're perverting nature to turn it into, you know, natural stuff to turn it into plastic, yeah, these gods are not going to like this. What they wanted to do was knock humanity down a few pegs. Or, you know, like that, that scene in Justice League, bring them back to the, the ways of holy fear, you know. You know, get away with, re- you know, do away with reason. We want humans to be scrambling out, of, you know, into the light, you know, going back into the caves and stuff. And so Gina came up with, you know, she expanded from what she mentioned earlier, this hallway where you go to places, and it became a maze.
0: And by the way, that's the same premise for the destruction of Earth in uh, Flash Gordon, talking to uh, Dr. Zarkov. And he says, you know, every thousand years or so, I visit a planet with, uh, you know, plagues and earthquakes and... Terrible disasters and things like that, and if they say oh it's it's just you know fate it 's just the gods hating us and and stuff like that, then I leave them alone and, and and go away. But if they see the hand of Ming in this, then they must be destroyed
1: and once once we sat down with this and started explaining okay, this earth, these gods didn't like it. And we picked all the, the chaotic and evil gods, all the darker gods, all the... I mean, all gods are not... You know, gods nine times out of ten are not depicted as, oh, they're wonderful people. No, even the good gods are are jerk.
3: Uh, especially if you draw from Greek mythology.
1: <laughs> well, oh no, we went everywhere. Oh, geez, let's see. Oh, well yeah. oh, Well, also, Gina and I, I do remember, Gina, we wanted to stay away from... The pantheons everybody knew—Greek, Egyptian, Norse. We dug deep. We got into mythologies, and I mean, I think I remember Hún came, the Mayan god of death.
2: Yeah, um, he was my favorite. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh yeah, the whole thing was Jabalba. Yeah, um, and that was in the second arc. Uh, oh God, what I'm trying, and I'm uh, Native, a lot of Native American stuff because we had uh, Jaren's character Hoki of the Diné. So there were uh, Native American, especially Navajo myths.
2: I had actually a book of Native American myths specifically.
1: I think you still have Carrie's one book of mythology we need to get back to her. Yeah, she can't find it anywhere, so I'm assuming it's not here, so I'm assuming it might be at your place there. But no, we, we got into various lesser tapped into pantheons because Gina specifically, I want to try to stay away from those three because everybody does those. I'm like, okay, that's fair enough.
3: Yeah.
1: And it just so we looked at all the dark and and less than noble gods that are out there, and they were the ones that decided, yeah, we're bringing a magical apocalypse. And what it was on the earth twenty thousand years before, all the fantasy stuff went into stasis. Green flash covers the planet, and all these fantasy races and beings just okay, we're we're out of here. We we're done. Except for the dwarves and the gnomes who stay deep, deep, deep underground. 20,000 years go by, humanity advances, technology, and then they get what I call too smart for their shorts, like my old buddy Mike would say. And that's when the chaotic and evil gods decide, all right, no, we're done. Humanity needs to be done. Bring everything out of stasis. So what were some of the, Gina, what were some of the ideas that we came up with that just all of a sudden, boom, it's there suddenly? Just like what was it? Orcs invading London was, I think, your first idea.
2: Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, gin everywhere. What? And uh, gin.
1: Oh, genies and stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've actually oh, uh, learned that uh, the Jinn were actually a, a completely different race since then, and I thought uh, it was kind of fascinating.
3: They're oh, okay. like, uh,
2: they're like more akin to fae. Okay. And uh, they will actually um, incorporate into uh, into the human world if 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 they feel so inclined to.
1: Oh, what was the other one that you brought up? I think yeah, a dragon trying a dragon trying to chew on a seven forty seven flying through the air. Yeah. Yeah, just,
2: that was a old dragon, and he was just hungry, and he apologizes later.
1: Yeah, but but still, we just had all these various ideas of actually, how would the original this.
2: Original idea was. Uh, William Shatner looking out the window and saying, "There's something on the plane. uh, There's something on the wing." And the and the stewardess just looks at him like,
1: "Really? Yeah." (laughs) (laughs) You're funny, Mister Shatner. Would you like a drink? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and of course we we tried to. I mean, we okay. It happened on you know December during the Mayan apocalypse, so December 2012. And yeah, it. We just decided to go through a lot of uh, tropes, as it were, of just, okay, it's going to happen, it's going to happen then. But the concept was that we decided, and we we threw in fringe worthy and everything, we put it on a fringe earth and everything, but we wanted, we didn't want it to be for fringes. Basically, we made the maze world as a magical backdoor to where, yeah, it goes to other fringe worlds, not all of them, but... You have to go through it through the maze, and it's a dream realm. Basically, all the fringeworthy people that one night before it hit December twenty first, twenty twelve, while they were sleeping, their dream selves were yanked in this world, and just they enter this maze, and they were supposed. Okay, you're all supposed to learn magic and archaic ways of magic living because,
2: and about monsters and the creatures and yeah. the, everything else that's supposed to come up none because not everyone's magic. Oh, and that was my one big thing they did have a some they did have a warning sign but they didn't no one caught on on the uh on the Oh was, uh, it,
1: oh, was that all the people with Bert, uh beginning psi powers are getting headaches constantly? Yep.
2: Yeah. If you yeah. if if you if you're going to get some kind of power except for psychic abilities.
1: Well, psionic and psychic are kind of the same thing.
2: Yeah, but ex- except for those because those are kind of already natural. So you just found you got a power boost.
1: Okay, all right, but yeah, but like the ones who had latent abilities were the ones that all over the world are getting headaches and everything. Yeah. And and so, uh-huh. yeah, we as, as we sat there and planned this out, we had to plan out, okay, what type of societies were in all the confluences of this maze? Um, and, of course, we just threw in modules and everything. So, oh, this world had this, and it just happens to be from this module from... AEG, and this one, it's this setting from Green Ronin, and yeah, and so, but the societies were still there, we just decided to put in the adventures for them, and what what was the One World? Uh, Just an example real quick, Um, elves and gnomes, magic caused a lot of problems, so humans and dwarves decided to enslave them, and they were the slaves in the Antebellum South.
2: Yeah, that was, um. oh gosh. It was actually one of the campaign se- uh, story settings.
1: Uh. Yeah, that was Glen Hollow. That was Glen the, Hollow, the, yeah. Yeah, that was the one where we got the adventure where they had the little town of Glen Hollow and all that, yeah. But I mean, yeah. that was one of the settings we put in the maze world. We made no technology higher than 1870s. So at the most, you might have had a revolver, a hunting rifle, shotgun, and maybe a Gatling gun. That was the most, powerful weaponry that would be there.
0: You mean like a cannon?
1: Yeah, cannons and all that, but I mean you're not having you're not having things like tanks and 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 computerized drones and all that
0: or automatic weapons. Right, right, yeah. You got a gatling gun though.
1: Yeah, well gatling guns came out during the Civil War.
0: Right, which was the 1860s. You said 1875?
1: Yeah, well, that that was well, the good thing was, is that we used uh, Rich's uh, Bureau 13 black powder to get a tech gauge going as far as a timeline. So that was helpful. Um, But yeah, so we we started plotting this out and we plotted and oh, no, we've got this old beat up green notebook, the Maze World Bible. I have it here. And just oh, no, we the notes are 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 extensive
2: compiled. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, still, I mean, this thing is still not empty, and we're on our third arc. So we're wrapping up our third arc now. We did one the night of when everything was going to hell in a handbasket. Then the second arc, the second one was two years after Earth has started rebuilding, things are starting to get back to normal, and the original characters' proteges are now. Because the originals now, they're too busy in basically positions of leadership. The one that we're wrapping up now is starting the night after. And we're now eight months down the line after what we just call the apocalypse. So we've explored different facets of this campaign's history within these three arcs. But it all started with that one idea that Gina hit me with 11 years or 10 years ago.
2: I thought I eased into it better.
1: No, Honestly. no, no. You you just, you didn't say anything to me about it. You dropped that bomb right there in the lobby at City Club. Uh, Boom. There, I have this idea, Trav. Okay, wow. I'm impressed. Your first home brew, and that's it. Wow. <laughs> but little did I know that 11 years later, we'd still be coming back to this campaign. We'd still be adding new arcs. We'd be throwing in all sorts of, not only homebrew ideas, but also, you know, things from other PDFs and things that I have that are thrown in there into the history of it. And just, this thing has taken on a life of its own. Now, usually a lot of times, you know, you have a campaign, it's fine, it's over, it's done. You have your folder, you put it away. But when you keep coming back to a campaign, and we've even, Gene and I made another campaign and they stopped off in the maze world a couple nights before everything went, up, went, went belly up. That was the Time Lords and Magic campaign. Where she and I mixed Doctor Who and World of Darkness together. And the timelines, if you look at the timelines, they coincide really weird. And I'm just looking at you and going, this is a little creepy. We even went back to the Maze World Net campaign. So the fact that this one idea
2: sparked, <laughs> it's a
1: <drug> <laughs> that sparked and is still not only alive today, but thriving and, and mutating Whoa. beneficially is just, that's a rare gift for game masters and setting creators where they get that much love out of it and people want more.
2: That's why, so, it, needs be, that's why it needs to be put into an actual, like, campaign setting.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'd have to do some serious uh, serial number scrawling, but yeah, it could be done.
2: Like, the, the basic idea, though, yeah. is, yeah, we have our own story going, and that's absolutely amazing but the idea is you can actually just ignore all that okay that's the that's the base story that's the official story now let's say you have a your friend has a campaign going on over here your friend has a campaign going over here and you have a campaign going on somewhere else and with the maze world you can actually insert those campaigns into the, you know, have a way on into the maze. Yeah. So that you can connect them together, and your people can explore the different worlds.
1: And instead of being a quantum signature, that allows you to access the fringe path, is just you have to have to be able to be a maze walker, which it's more a fatter matter of being a lucid dreamer. So not everybody can go into the maze world. It's just. Yeah, you have to have that, that ability to lucid dream. But once you do, character yeah. Character now, so. What was
2: that? Once you learn lucid dreaming or the gods want you there, that's another way to get there.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. See, this was, I mean, I, I it's pretty safe to say that people that weren't lucid dreamers before, well, we linked it to fringe worthiness uh, for that particular world. That, you know, yeah. that, that, that was just something I had to throw it into the mix that, you know, the big blue binder I have. Right. So, but
2: uh, if the guys want you there, they're going to put you there for a training. Well, yeah,
1: that was the whole point That's, of the whole first part. Was, was originally yeah.
2: was supposed to be it was just a training ground so that you'll have a core amount of people who knows how to who knows how to do this. Like I put Beyonce in there.
1: Yeah, we did. We had it. We had a world where It was that like she
2: French world yeah. and she was learning to be a magical bard.
1: Yeah, and I'm we it, did
2: that for. For a uh, Jaren, but yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah, it yeah.
2: worked, you know,
1: in that not world, always, yeah. Well, it was 2012, and I think you're gonna
2: have the super intelligent, super, you know, super, you know,
1: gifted strong, person, yeah, but,
2: you know, you're gonna have super talented, super, you know.
1: Well, the thing is, lucid dreaming. It, it could be anybody I mean it, it's just They were they just happened to have the right quality And they got sucked into this And right, what, what was it two years a game t- Two years of game time in one night Basically Pretty much Yeah and so But yeah as far as creating this campaign It's uh, What's the word I'm looking for here Everybody ha- is going to have a different Process obviously just by how Bruce and Jonathan mentioned their methods of coming up with a campaign. One does. Okay. What's the end game? The first, what is the beginning of it? How did it start? How did this world get there? And as I said, it'd be an interesting thought experiment to hear all of you listeners out there. Oh, I do it this way. I do it this way. And we'll tell you where to put all that at the end of the podcast. And going down that path, Bruce said before, you know, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Also, as and that, this is something Jean and I went through. And it, it's weird because we, we have our own unique qualities. I'm autistic. She's ADHD. She keeps me from going down a rabbit hole too far, or getting stuck in idea. Now I help keep her on track. So that worked out wonderfully. <laughs> but another thing that we that we have found out is that ideas have to change now it can either because we were using three five and then pathfinder first edition so we had to conform it to the rules if we couldn't make new rules and all this and ideas do change i I, i've lost track of the number of the things that we
2: when you go through the process plus when you're collaborating with other people you know you compromise and you
1: yeah oh no we've we've there have been times I've had ideas where I'm like oh, crap and now I'm sure there's other times and I've just you know said it, it's not going to work because of this this and this and at least if you are making a campaign with somebody you have to be open to their their arguments on certain things pro and con for an idea one might have because if not you're going to butt heads it's not going to work out for us it was a matter of teamwork bringing our own unique experiences in because. I'm more sci-fi superhero kind of. You're you're more horror. I mean, give you give you a Ravenloft campaign, and I'm sure you'll probably you know pigs and slop and be jealous of you. Um, <laughs> oh I'll no,
2: just, no, just wait, just wait until you get involved in my uh, Bronze Age campaign.
1: Oh yeah, that was another idea she wanted to because yeah, you know this
2: one I'm doing this one I'm doing myself. Okay,
1: yeah, that, then that's fine. I mean.
2: And, um, but this, you know, it's just, it, it may not even last very long. So I'm not really concerned.
1: Okay. This is again, you doing your own campaign on your own. I mean, you might ask me for advice, but I'm not going to be sitting in on, we're not going to be collaborating as much as we did. No. Give me some background on the thought processes on that as far as, okay, this is, I'm running the solo. How am I going about this? Yeah. Okay. The
2: idea is in the world, the, uh, I think I, Okay, I'm gonna am I'm gonna stop here for a second so I can get another thought on my head because I am ADHD and I will go, pew if I don't. Um, you were talking about um, you were talking about uh, the ways to get to a campaign. You know what your starting base idea is. Yeah. I think mine is more of the idea of okay, here's a overarching condition. What can happen within those conditions? Hmm. So here's the condition it's the end of the ice age it's the beginning of the bronze age okay there's only like maybe three or four races in the entire world right now so my races will be limited one because it's my first <laughs> time first, running a campaign on my own and i want to keep it simple and also two because right now that's all that's in the world right now the uh, ice has uh has removed itself from the Law of Mountains and the dwarves are realizing they're actually outside, not inside. <laughs> so the idea is, this is, a, this is a game of a lot of firsts. Okay? You have your first evil gods really starting to come out. You have your first good gods starting to come out. You have your first civilizations being formed. You have your first, this is a lot of firsts. Mostly because I've been listening to a lot of Bronze Age and Ice Age camp uh, his, history stuff. So, <laughs> no, no that that's the thing.
1: So, okay, so because you know before the Bronze and Iron Age, that and we're gonna go again. We we use the the progress levels from uh, D twenty modern. You're going into a PL one campaign. So these are these are beings after the Ice Age they've they're they're getting out of the hunter gatherer stone age era. Mm-hmm. And bronze age is where, you know, you start forming civilizations and metal weapons and various right. other yeah, various other building blocks of early, early civilizations like Mesopotamian yeah. and all that. Yeah.
2: So um and the idea is the gods are, are going to uh pretty much build their own races using these these few uh groups and
1: also uh, oh, what they're going to like out of these four groups they're going to speciate more races yeah oh okay okay
2: that's why there's only like a few right now through curses blessings you know like right now there aren't any paladins right now that you know of I'm going to throw that caveat in because okay bad um <laughs> because big bad um, but this is my thought process. Though you know, I will get an idea. I have a condition, and I'll I'll build around that. And then I'll say, okay, what are these people doing? You know. So you're
1: saying you're actually plotting the middle of the campaign, or at least the the theme, the arc of it. Yeah. Not so much. Beginning like early history or the End game the goal You're, you're kind of planning the middle Yeah the journey so to the speak The
2: journey yes and then that Way I've been listening to a Lot of different uh youtubers About about campaigns And stuff and uh This actually gives the Players it seems to me I could be completely wrong Okay uh level One Uh Campaign creation person here. So I could be completely wrong about this. So just bear with me.
1: Oh, no, we'll check your math for you the, between the three of us, but go ahead.
2: <laughs> okay. So um, the idea is a lot of times the players can also help build the world. They can help build the past. They can help build the future. They can help shape the story itself. And I don't want to really shoehorn anyone into, yeah, I've got this main plot. But if the players do something a little bit different, it won't derail what I want to do.
1: Oh, yeah. That is one of the major, major sins, perhaps even a cardinal sin of game mastering, railroading.
2: Yeah. and i I I, I want to make, uh, for myself, a way where I don't do that.
1: Okay. So, from what I'm gathering here, with this Bronze Age campaign, you're going to maybe encourage if if through aklings in the plot yeah i come up with this new idea it's called we actually take the seeds that we find and the stuff that we and we grow them ourselves that mm-hmm. we then we yeah so basically yeah my character just created agriculture so you're you're wanting to go that route as far uh, as more
2: the, like okay the um okay let me let me give you the situation so the, my main idea is we have some gods. They got their temples going. Um, the the dwarves are kind of more based on the Ma- Mycenaeans. The humans are kind of Mesopotamian, Egyptian kind of thing. Your uh, your uh, halflings are actually kind of nomads at this point because they haven't found a good place to settle yet.
1: <laughs> so that's that's kind of a. Difference. So I'm I'm getting like a Bedouin vibe from them. Right. Yeah. So the Middle Eastern wandering. Yeah. Caravans kind of thing. Okay. All right. And then
2: you have the Mysterious West. With basically where the elves are. (laughs) But the elves are out there, but you really haven't met them yet.
1: Okay. So, well, the Mysterious West, if you're doing all Mesopotamia, Middle East, um, Egypt, yeah, the.
2: Those are the humans. Those are the humans. So the the other the other yeah. side is unexplored. So
1: you know, that's all. It, that's all Eurasia and Asia. Okay.
2: Yeah, that hasn't oh. been explored yet. So the idea, though, is uh, at least my idea is humans and gods kind of create each other, sort of in a weird sort of way. So the gods are born, but they don't have a form yet, so the, so the people kind of give them that form. Okay,
1: I see that, because, I mean, basically, you know, ancient civilizations used gods to explain how the universe worked before scientific reason came in, and okay, right. Earth, so yeah, it's like, oh, we have this proto-sun god. Yeah, and the Mesopotamians are—you know—they turn them into turn this form into whatever that god is. I'm blanking at the moment.
3: Yeah, that right. sounds exactly like what I'm doing with my Bronze Age campaign. It's—it's it's about the birth of the gods as
2: so,
3: the mortals envision them. Yeah. Oh, okay. So
2: my big bad is basically the first ever paladin of an evil god.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Oh. Fine, fine. And it's going to be so weird because, it, and 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 when we see hear the word paladin, we're usually thinking Galahad, a knight of a god in plate mail. This is going to be a different version of a paladin with a guy with a a Bronze Age paladin. That's going to be yeah, that's going to be putting the whole idea of a paladin on its ear. Yeah, well, a paladin is
2: just a champion of a god. If you everything boils down to it.
1: But that word, Gina, is so evocative, especially with yeah. how D&D has made it, where it's, you know, what, what was it that... Uh, They're
2: supposed said, to be the grand what, hero. Well, there's always been anti-paladins. Oh, well, yeah. So or, this,
1: or what they call this, blackguards, yeah.
2: So this is like my idea. He's actually trying to bring these evil gods to really to formation. One guy formation, so
1: okay, so he's the one heading the charge Mm -hmm. of getting this proto god into this dark god form, okay? All right, and so with this campaign, you came up with sort of the middle of the campaign, is what you came up with first.
2: Yes, when you're going from the middle, it's a bit more challenging, but it's better for ADHD. Oh, you think. but it worked for my adhd brain okay so give me yeah some <laughs> but um but really it kind of gives you the freedom to let the characters kind of create the past you know with just some basic information
3: that that's actually very much what the inspiration for mine was was because my bronze age campaign is set in the same world as my post-apocalyptic Ah, so it is the distant past before the thousand years of darkness. And it is it, it was literally there to kind of help set up the, the as backstory is to set up the sort of the world and the gods that would later get destroyed in the thousand years. Of oh, darkness.
1: no, no. It's kind of like our 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 maze world 2.0, where it was two years after we'd already set how the world went belly up where we lost 2 billion people. Problem is we got more than that back with all the various fantasy races. And now, okay, the world is rebuilt. It's generally back together. It's a new world, a different world, but humanity is not digging through the ashes of their destruction anymore. So, yeah, yeah. It's often good if you can plan a campaign to where you can go down the line and you can do a prequel campaign, I think that is a proof of the longevity of a campaign setting that you create, where you can explore, where you can turn that time dial forward and back and say, okay, let's see about this period. Okay, this period. What happens, you know, 100 years down the line? What happened a thousand years ago? I think that's a true sign of campaign longevity. And it's something Gene and I are doing now, now that we've explored the night everything went under, two years. And the day after, or as we call this campaign, we're wrapping up Maze World 1.5, how it all began. So, yeah, um, so, yeah, plotting in the middle. Yeah, that that never really occurred to me. Of course, again, with the Aspie brain, it's OK. You either have to do the beginning or the end. You get your history set up and go from there or you get your end game and how you get to it. You know, uh, yeah. And I'm.
2: And then again, that's not a good
1: or bad thing. It's just... No, no, no. It's just how your mind works, and that's fine, to each their own. Everybody's going to have a different way of putting a campaign together for the first time. And it's, it's, it's like writing a story. It's just, okay, you're writing a very bare-bones outline. The story will be written by you and the players working in conjunction.
2: Yes
1: collaborative storytelling that that's the whole point of this whole exercise that we call tabletop role play and
2: a lot of times uh, a big complaint that i see especially in various groups is oh the the gm is is making us play out a, a specific story in his head and i can see how easily that can that can happen
0: that's that's,
1: rail, that's railroading if he's got a set goal and everything yeah that's railroading it's it's just very wait let's be fair to the
0: GM okay there's lots of times players don't want to participate in the planning, the development and stuff like that. So what's the GM to do besides to create a story and expect them to more or less fall along the tracks because he's the only one laying them if the players are complaining about it, that's the time the GM needs to stop and say, well, where do you want to go? If you don't like the way it's going, where do you want to go now? And then make those adjustments. But, you know, you can't just assume that because the GM is saying, okay, you know, you need to go into town, talk to this guy, he's going to give you a quest, and then you're going to go off to another location and you're going to try to do it. And they're all like, well, that's railroading.
2: That's very video game.
0: I agree, but the yeah. point still is, is that if, if you don't have any other idea as to how to spend your time...
2: Sometimes you need just a tiny little bit. It's a balancing game. Sometimes you need a little bit of that, you know, to get your get your players back on the right track sometimes. But once they're back on track, then you can, you know, start, start free-forming again.
1: It, it's a term, it's a term that, that Jerry Gentry And Gina, I think you've met him at cons and stuff And, and Probably. Bruce, Bruce talked to him back in our Bureau 13 playing days Planned improvisation
2: mm.
1: Now the one thing I've had to learn, again, being autistic This is hard as hell for me to do Thinking on my feet I will say the one skill I gain the most from being a game master now for 35 plus years is to have to think on my feet because I will tell you something. My gamers keep me on my toes every single one I've ever had. I've had to sit there and, you know, I've plotted these things. And there's the infamous story of Carrie Springer ruining six months of planning in a campaign with saying, I cast Hallow. And I'm sitting there flipping through four or five books trying to get past it. Nope, she got me. And it, it, it's whenever I, I try to get one up on Carrie to this day, she just smiles at me and I can't, I'm like, shut up, don't say it. So yeah, it's, it is planned improvisation. A GM, you're going to have a plan. You're going to have a bare bones outline and, and parts of this outline you're going to have very meticulously planned. Other parts are going to be just points here and there that you go on. And sadly, this is something that, Uh, Jeff DeRef is Currently doing a mini arc In my Saturday game The Robotech Nightbane mashup The the sequel campaign But he's doing now United in Skyrim Where he's going to be GMing by So this is going to be his first campaign And he's helping me help plan it and all this But he's going to be running it And you have to learn That Your players are going to throw you for a loop Every session Possibly more than once in a session you if have they to
2: don't. Learn... It's not
1: a good game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. If if they're not if they're not testing your ability to game master, then yeah, right. And in, in some ways, in doing that, they're also testing your patience.
0: They're also testing themselves. Yeah. You know, when whenever they take responsibility for making the story, then it's the, now their story, and they've got to support it. So I'm just saying, is it you know it's it's great when you have players. <clears throat> who are participatory in 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 that you know and um, I always say give them you know not you know not enough rope to hang themselves but enough rope enough rope to make something you know uh, a, a a a garment a uh, you know get you know, that they can actually loom something together that's actually worth looking at and some players will do it and some players won't but you know I I always uh, admire. You know, and encourage the players to do.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it's the matter of giving them that, that, that one seed to act on. And usually that would be along the lines of when, and usually I do it, is, okay, make a skill check. Oh, you made a skill check at the time of DC. You give them that bit of information. And there are sometimes they're just doing in the course of the campaign. Other times they realize, okay, we're stuck we don't know what to do i'm just going to go on this and i give them the information and boom they're off to the races again and there's a lot of times that when i do that there's definitely a fervor that they real okay we're back on our feet we're we we we're full of juice again let's do this and yeah the player again it's collaborative storytelling the gms to give that spark the players fuel that spark into a flame and then the GM is, you know, making sure that the flame doesn't go out of control. So yeah.
2: See, here's uh, my here's my issue. Okay. The uh, bronze age can be very grim, darky.
1: Well, yeah, it's going to be.
2: Oh that that the, the, that's chara- the, the
1: characters aren't the characters aren't even going to have stuff that you have in the medieval age. You're going to have to sit there, and a lot of times with them going. Well, I want this. Well, this wasn't invented yet. Well, can we invent it? No, we don't even have the infrastructure to do this. You know, you're not going to have a crossbow in the Bronze Age at the most. You have a bow and arrow and it's made with, you know, sinew and a piece of wood. You know, yeah, there's going to be. It's just not a lot of the creature comforts that are there, even in a pseudo medieval Pl2, pl3 well, campaign. I'm not even, even
2: talking about that. I'm talking about the story in general. I mean, a lot of times you're grimdark. You're you're diving into things like, you know, human sacrifice, and you know, and and you're, uh, uh, oh, good. A, you're walking into a war zone, and you know, you got bodies laying around. That's what I'm nervous about.
1: This is a big okay. This is another thing we need to talk about with care, campaign creation. Knowing the limits of your players in the exactly. game.
2: Exactly. And I don't want to put people off because with my campaign, that's a little bit part of the story. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And and it's the whole thing, like I tell Josie, know your audience. If, yeah. you, have, if you have a game where it's going to be that kind of dark, that kind of grim, that type of like, subject matter.
2: Like I don't know how Amber's going to feel about that.
1: Right. Yeah. And
2: and, and maybe she'll just want to skip out on that.
1: Well, yeah, that's the thing. I'll I'll,
2: I'll, 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 I'll give them I'll give people fair warning right off the bat. Look, there are times when this campaign is going to go places that might make you uncomfortable. It's going to make me uncomfortable, but this is part of the story. We're pushing our
1: boundaries, but we don't want to go too far and you know, even possibly trigger people. I mean, just yeah.
0: Right. But if we do, we're doing it for a purpose.
2: I would never do anything just just out of
0: being
1: gratuitous. Yeah, yeah.
2: Right. And that's what I'm nervous about. You know, as they, you
1: as as you surprising. should be being. being there's going to yeah. be
2: bodies laying around with their entrails coming out. None of yeah. them, and not all of them are going to be adult.
1: Well, yeah. Here's the thing. You know, so with with, with this. <laughs> Uh, The people in that, if you're running this for the Sunday game, the five of us all here have a general idea just how bad things can get in battle. We know that there's collateral damage. We know that ancient warfare was, and we'll use the term, graphic AF, where, Yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. So we all know this. It's the matter of knowing not getting too descriptive. You could sit there and say, there are women and children caught in this battle. they are, you know, corpses of women and children. That's as far as you need to go. We all know that it, with the level of warfare that it was back then, that's not going to be pretty. right? And I mean, you, you would, you know, maybe do, you know, the Pathfinder sanity rules to just say it unnerved you that much, you know. Something like that. But you don't need to get too, yeah, too detailed. Too, too squick, as we said in a previous episode. Well, because...
2: quick, I see, like that's,
1: that. Yeah, well, that, that's, whole, that's Devo Spice and the squick rating thing is where I got that from. But still, you you get these GMs, and we had the case of the one at a British con a few years back, where he basically, and I'm going to try to keep this as PG as possible, Put a female player's character in a situation without her consent. It's just, no, this happened. She had no choice in the matter.
2: Yeah, that's a no.
1: And she actually, in real life, had a similar experience. Needless to say, and I guess this person had previous problems, but this is the woman that called him on it, and now he's banned from this con forever. Because... When you get these type of subject matter, you gotta watch and there are some GMs that are out there. Yes, we are not perfect, we are still human. But you get some of the you get some of those GMs that this is their way to you know, live through and, and work out some really sick stuff in their heads. Right. And unfortunately they, they tend to take want to take their players along for the ride, and ninety nine point nine percent of them don't want that. They're that's not what they signed on for. Right. And that's a massive thing of know your audience because you gotta realize you gotta know your players. When you do a campaign
2: If you're at a con, what are you doing a grimdark for?
1: Well, the thing was the guy did it and it was of something that probably shouldn't have been running a con at all, anyways, because there's exactly, a, a that's what I mean. That you're and I mean, even with okay, <laughs> this game is eighteen and over, no one under eighteen is allowed at this particular game, you're still gonna have people with some rather delicate sensibilities aren't gonna be wanting to go through that. There's yeah. a time and a place. And so, content in your campaign and how it will possibly affect your players, excuse me, is
2: something to uh...
1: take into account when you're creating a campaign for the first time. Right. Yeah. Because,
0: like, when I was 18, I didn't know anything about fetish. So, if you suddenly ram me through an adventure with a lot of that stuff, I would be very confused and possibly offended.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, as I said, it it may not be a person who's 18. There could be somebody in their thirties who just doesn't would find that horrifying and you're there trying to run this and yeah, you could have, you know, grown ass adult all of a sudden just get horribly offended by the content that you're putting out there as a game.
3: And you so you never know what somebody's gone through and what somebody right, is again, offended by or not. Trigger content warning,
1: yeah, content warnings and trigger warnings, yeah. And so that is something for campaign creation is how the content could possibly affect your players. And,
2: and I've been thinking, I've been thinking of which almost made me not want to do this, but from everything that I'm hearing, it depends on how. You deal with it.
1: Yes. you. So. There's a lot of things that you can imply. And we're... And, and, and In the Sunday group, our current Sunday group is Jeff DeRef, Breakman Z, myself, Perky Goth, and Amber Allen. And so the five of us are all adults. Uh, we have all been gaming for a particular time. Some of us a lot longer than others. But I also know that Amber's been through some things I've been through some things There are certain things That Jeff and Z Aren't all that fond of And there are certain things That Gene is not fond of So Yeah You know your players So If you're making this campaign And it's a damn good certainty That you're going to be Running it for this group You already know What not to put in Right This is Bruce Sheffer
0: Saying There are a million Million worlds out there So go explore
1: them And this is Trav There's a reason Why it's called gaming